Well, today we're on our last uh, teaching on being transformed. We could continue with lots of different aspects of it, but this is where we're going to end. Um, next week, I'm um, just giving you a little bit of heads up. It's going to be a little di- bit different uh, service. We're actually going to be presenting. There's going to be a teaching along with a presentation of uh, direction that uh, Karis is going to be going um, and believing God for and, and doing. So uh, you, might, you want to be here next week to hear all the details. Are you interested? Want to know what it is? Got to be here. <laughs> but uh, today will be good too. Let's pray. Father, we just love you. We thank you that you are here and the very wisdom of God dwells within us. Holy Spirit, we, we thank you that you are going to lead us and guide us into all truth. You are the true teacher, so teach us this morning. We tune our ears to that still small voice inside our spirit that is directing us in the ways of righteousness. Father, we just ask that uh, we would glorify Jesus in this place this morning and we would not glorify our circumstances. That we would make Jesus Lord over our circumstances. We love you, Lord. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this morning, there's something that the Lord wanted me to share with you guys that I forgot to share and then he brought to my remembrance, so I'm going to share it now. It goes back to having the very glory and nature of God within you. Have you ever run into certain people or had certain seasons in your life where you had people come into your life and they were a drain? They were a pain in the upper thigh. They, they were just horrible people to be around. And, and maybe they'd persecute you because of your faith or maybe they'd belittle you because you don't act like they do and... and it, they're just rotten, horrible people. And you ask yourself, God, why? Get this person out of my life. Right? That, that's, that's our nature. Our nature is to be self-centered. And why am I in this situation? Why is this person in my life? Why? The devil must be doing this to me. Maybe it's God that put that person in your life. Because God loves that person and he wants them to experience the goodness of God. What if the very reason that person is in your life is so that they can see Jesus? So they can see love, they can see forgiveness, they can see gentleness, they can see joy, they can see compassion. See, we have to renew our minds. This this fits in with the series, we have to transform our minds to thinking above fleshly emotions. To thinking of who we are in Christ Jesus, who we are in the Spirit, and that we can change the atmosphere. We, me and Tom, we were down at a conference, and I don't know if I hear things all over the place. I don't know if they, I think they shared that's there. But Harvard, I think it was Harvard, one of the uppity-up schools did did a study on emotions. And they took a a very depressed person and they put them in a room. And then they took people that weren't depressed 
and they put them in the room. And they couldn't talk to each other, no verbal communication whatsoever. And then after an hour or so, they took them back out and they had them do these que- a questionnaire. And they found that the depressed person was still depressed. And the people that weren't depressed came out and they were more depressed. Then they did the same study with an angry person. I don't know what they did to get the guy angry, but they got an angry person, a very angry person. And the same thing happened. The people came out and they didn't know, that as they answered these questions, they were more angry than when they went in. See, the dominant emotion creates the atmosphere. And so you can change the atmosphere of your work environment. You can change the atmosphere of your business. You can change the atmosphere of your home by having the dominant emotion. And the problem is there's too many Christians going with the same emotions as the world. And it's a cesspool. (laughs) You have the dominant emotion. You have the fruit of the Spirit dwelling within you. And it's contagious. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And we've talked about this, that the world is looking to conform you, to jam you into the mold, the cookie-cutter mold of how they want you to look, act, talk, and think. But God wants to transform you from that fallen nature, from the Babylonian system, from this system of man rule and religion, man-made religion rule, to a place where that you are liberated through the Spirit of God. And there's freedom. There's freedom in Christ. That you are freed to be your own individual. See, the only way you can truly change your behavior is by changing the way you think. So many people try to discipline their flesh, try to discipline their actions, and it will never work until you discipline the way that you think, until you change the way you think. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The only way that you can change behaviors is changing the way you think. See, this is one of the issues that I have with alcoholics anonymous, um, drug addicts anonymous. They're great programs, right? They, they do a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of good. But what do they say at every single meeting? Hi, I'm Chad, and I'm an alcoholic. In Christ Jesus, you are not an alcoholic. You are in Christ. You have died to alcoholism. You have died to sin and been raised up to new life, abundant life, overflowing life, wasteful, just extravagant life. The way that you think, if, you're, if you think that you're an alcoholic, then you think, well, I could always be, go back to becoming an alcoholic. But if you're no longer an alcoholic, why would drinking even be a temptation? Right? 
Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy, empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the element principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over all rule and authority. For in him the fullness of God, in Jesus Christ the fullness of God, the fullness of the deity, the Godhead, dwells within Christ Jesus, and where are you? In him. You have been made complete. You have been engrafted right into the family of God. And in the family of God, you are complete. Nothing missing, nothing broken, perfect. But the world wants to take you captive. How? Through your mind, the way that you think, philosophy. Satan cannot overpower you. Can't overpower you. Do you realize that? So many people are afraid of Satan. One of these days, I'm going to do a teaching on spiritual warfare. That has gotten, spiritual warfare has gotten so weak, freaky, weird. I mean, Satan has no power. He has no power over you. And what happens is the church glorifies demon activity, glorifies Satan. They make him look like this. You ever see the pictures of Satan? He's big, mean, I mean, he's buff. And then here's puny, puny little Jesus with a little glowing halo on him. No, he's the serpent, and Jesus has his head on the serpent's, or has his foot on the serpent's head. He, Satan's eating the dust of the earth. And Satan, as serpent, what does he do? He forms, he forms himself to what? The natural earth. We're from above, not from below. He has no power over you. The only power that he has over you is deception. From the very beginning, all he had was deception. When he came to Adam and Eve, he didn't come as a lion. He didn't come as a huge rhino or, or something massive and mean, a big silverback gorilla. That's my role in my home. I'm the silverback gorilla. My back hair is starting to turn a little gray. But, but, but uh, my goodness. He didn't come that. He came as the most subtle and crafty animal. Deception. Why? Because Satan has no power over you. The only power that he has over you is the deception, is the lie. And to the extent that you believe the lie is to the extent that he has power over you. Philosophy, it's a big fancy word. But really all it is, it's a system of thought or a way of thinking. See, we think of philosophy, we think of Aristotle, and we think of Plato and all these philosophers and, and these deep thinkers. But the truth of the matter is, is that every single one of you is a philosopher. Every single one of you has a way of thinking. You have a thought pattern. You have a system that you interpret your world. And here is a philosophy, a way of thinking that will keep you from destruction. The philosophy is this, that Jesus is Lord. 
that Jesus is Lord. See, a lot of people have made Jesus their Savior, but far less have made Jesus their Lord. There's a huge difference between Jesus being your Savior and Jesus being your Lord. And we're going to learn about this. What is the philosophy, a way of thinking that not only is Jesus my Savior, but I have made Jesus my Lord? Jeremiah 10, 23, I know, O Lord, that man's way is not in himself, nor is it in man who walks to direct his steps. The, inner, uh, the New Living Translations puts it this way. I know, Lord, that our lives are not our own. We are not able to plan our own course. The Message, message uh, Bible puts it this way. I know, God, that mere mortals can't run their own lives. That men and women don't have what it takes to, to take charge of life. See, man was not created... To live independently from God. Man, you were created to be dependent. You are dependent. You were created to be dependent on God. God wants to be your father. He wants to be God in your life. He wants to be the source of everything in your life. Proverbs 16.25 says this, There is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. See, we weren't designed to take charge of our own life. We weren't designed to be our own gods. Government was not designed to be God to us. Humans weren't designed to be gods. We were designed to be dependent on God. And we choose. There's things that we try to do. There's countries that try to make this utopia. They try to make this this thing where they're all self-sufficient in government and it leads to death. History shows this over and over and over again. See, we weren't designed to be independent, but that's exactly what Adam and Eve chose to be. They chose to be independent of God to be their own God, to choose what was good and what was evil for themselves. And before we get off on Adam and Eve being such terrible people, so do we. We do it every single day when we choose our way over God's way, when we choose to do it in our own strength over faith. Genesis 3, 1 through 3, this is how it went down. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the beasts of the field which the Lord God had made. So he came as that crafty creature. And he said to the, to the woman, Indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the mi- middle of the garden, God has said you shall not eat from it nor touch it or you will die. See, a lot of people think that the, this tree of the knowledge of good and evil was in the middle of the garden because that's what Eve said, right? But what did God say? In Genesis 2.9, it says, Out of the ground the Lord God caused to grow every tree that was pleasing to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also was in the middle, midst, the middle of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. 
in the tree of knowledge of good and evil. What was in the middle of the garden to God? The tree of life. What was in the middle of Eve's garden? Tree of knowledge of good and evil. What's in the middle of our lives? Is it, is it the tree of life, Jesus Christ? Or is it the tree of knowledge of good and evil, us choosing our own way, choosing good, choosing evil? See, the thing of it is, is, is religion is just as guilty as, of choosing good and evil as the world is. If I just pray enough, if I just, if I just serve enough, if I just give enough, if I just do, 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 then I'll be good and not evil. And Isaiah tells us that our righteousness is but filthy rags. Our goodness. And the reason why our goodness is just filthy rags is because we have no righteousness apart from God. When you separate yourself from God, you separate yourself from life. You separate yourself from righteousness. You separate yourself from holiness. So you have no holiness in you. You have no righteousness in you. You have no life in you. You don't even have love in you. Your love is completely selfish. We never get married thinking, I want to marry that person because I want to serve that individual. I want, to, I want to do things. I just want to make his life or her life the best it could ever be. No, we get married because I like the way that person makes me feel. I like what that person can do for me. We never go into marriage thinking, I'm marrying this person because I'm going to do everything in my power to make their life better. We think about how is this person going to make my life better. Our love, apart from God, is ugly. It's disgusting. So out of the two trees, Eve had the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in, her, in the middle, midst of her garden. And we do the same thing. We, 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 we choose to be our own God. We choose to be our own either good or evil. We choose to, to, be, to dictate how our life goes rather than eating and focusing on the tree of life, which is Christ Jesus. In verse 4, the serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. And if, if you guys haven't been here, we've been going over the scripture over and over again. Get, get the CDs, they're free in the back. But it starts out with a question, starting to question God's word. And, and Satan does the same thing today. He questions God's word, and then he comes out with a full-blown lie. You surely will not die, for God knows that in that day you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from it its fruit and ate, and she gave it also to her husband with her, and he ate. See, that's the problem, is, is the more you fall for Satan's lies, the more you go into the flesh. You, you, not one thing was on what God said or what God did or what God has done in their life. Everything was all about the flesh, what they could see, what they could taste, what they could th desire to make, one, to make one wise. See, if Adam and Eve had a philosophy that God is God 
and they were not, they would not have been open to temptation or fallen in sin. You know, there's a scripture that says, how can the clay say to the potter, why have you made me this way? You're not God. Adam and Eve were not God. Satan got them to believe the lie that God was holding something back from them. And as we discussed in earlier teachings, yes, God was holding something back for them because it was true. Because God even said, we have to remove them from the, gar- the garden, least they eat from the tree of life and stay in this condition forever because they have become like us, knowing the difference between good and evil. Right? So the Satan wasn't lying about that. Satan wasn't lying that they were going to become like God and be- know the difference between good and evil. And Satan made them think that God's holding something back from me. And God was holding something back from Adam and Eve. Evil. God was holding back evil from Adam and Eve. And there's things in our life that God is trying to protect us from, but we think he's trying to steal the party. We think he's, tr- he's, trying to, he's trying to rob. He's trying to kill. He's trying to destroy. God puts up boundaries to keep your party going. Not to destroy the party. But Adam and Eve, they were self-centered instead of God-centered. They did not trust God, nor did they believe that God was good and wanted the best for them. That's why it's important to have a philosophy of life that God is good and that he wants good for you, only good for you. We have to renew our minds to that. Where Adam and Eve failed, where we fail, where humanity fails, Jesus, he won. See, we have to have a philosophy that Jesus is Lord in all circumstances. In all circumstances, Jesus must be Lord. Our philosophy must be, even when it doesn't make sense, even when it looks dangerous, even when it looks like it's going to fail, we must make Jesus Lord over our lives and obey what he is telling us to do. There are so many people that go into debt because they don't believe that God wants to provide good things for them. So they go into debt, and then they're weighted down with the burden of debt instead of just trusting God to provide. Because God will provide. I mean, that simple story of testimony of the football game with Corbin. I'm telling you, God provided all that. God will provide for you. Our philosophy must be, when it doesn't make sense, still, Jesus is Lord. I'm doing it God's way. When it looks dangerous, I'm doing it God's way. When the marriage looks like it's, it's, there's no reconciliation, it's not going to work, I'm doing it God's way. I'm choosing to do it God's way. In all circumstances, when the kids are going crazy, I'm going to do it God's way. And that's the problem with so many Christians is we've gotten in the world and the world has come in and told us how we are going to live. And because we don't have the philosophy that Jesus is Lord, when the world comes in to the workplace, to our schools, to our governments, and tells us, no, this is politically incorrect, you can't do that, 
We, because Jesus is now Lord of our lives, we cave in, we give in, we don't do it. We give in to their will. You had to have the philosophy that Jesus is Lord over all of your life. Do you know that this was a political statement? Because there was a saying when Paul wrote Jesus is Lord over and over again in the New Testament. The saying was this, Caesar is Lord. And every time Christians, in Paul writing, Jesus is Lord, it was a political statement. That we do not bow to government, we bow to Jesus. Christians do not have this philosophy of their life. Romans 8.28, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Do you know when we use this scripture all the time? When bad things happen. Why not use this scripture when there's a choice that looks like I got to either choose Jesus as Lord or I got to choose the world system as Lord. If we rested in this promise, I, I love God. I'm called by his, according to his purpose, and I love God. So I'm going to make Jesus Lord of this situation, and I know he's going to work it together for good. Even if I lose my job, I know that he's going to work together for good. Even though my, my husband might get mad at me because I'm preachy, I'm, I, I know that he'll work it together for good. Even though my kids might get mad at me and say I hate you because I make them get up and go to church in the morning, I know that God's going to work all things together for good. God will, even if I, my friends get mad at me, I know that God's going to work together for good. When Jesus is Lord, you have a promise that God will work all things together for good. Because history's on our side. History is on our side. Throughout all history, those that served God prospered. Nations that served God prospered. They were prospered and blessed. Those that served God, served Jesus over their own selfish ambition, they prospered and blessed. It's, it's a historical fact. Name one country that has prospered that the gospel was not preached in it. The United States of America today is as prosperous as it is is because of the foundation of Jesus Christ in the Bible in our founding principles and freedom that was found in the Bible. Freedom is not a way of man, but it is the way of God. You are free men and women. You have been freed from sin and you have been freed from this present age. You are free. Who the Son says free is what? Free indeed. Nations that understood that government was not God, but that God was God, and bowed to the Lordship of Jesus, prospered, and became a light in darkness and a beacon of hope to the world. Do you know who's doing the greatest humanity works throughout this world? Christian nations. We're a Christian nation. Do you know that? 
I don't care what the government tells you. I don't care what the president tells you. I don't care what congressmen or senators tell you. We are a Christian nation. You want to know why? Because we were founded that way. History's on your side. Be bold. Fear not. Where Adam and Eve failed in self-centeredness, where the world systems of government and religion have failed in their own self-centeredness, Jesus was victorious by serving. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 and 4 says, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion... Make my joy complete by being in the same mind. So being in the same mind. Think this way, Paul is saying. Being in the same mind as me. Paul has already built this philosophy that, as, that Jesus is Lord of his life, that, that this is the way that he operates his life. How did he operate his life? Just like Jesus. Make my joy complete by being in the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent, on one purpose. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit. But with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. This is a way of thinking. And why do we think this way? Because this is the way Jesus is. Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus. This was the attitude of Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Where Adam and Eve failed, where humanity has failed, by being self-seeking, self-centered, self-promoting, proud, and the pride of life, Jesus humbled himself. See, this is what I love about God, is that God never asks us to do anything that he first isn't willing to do himself. The one person that could have pride, the one person that has all authority, has all strength, has all power, the one person that could be totally self-centered chose to humble himself and serve. Jesus was totally God, but emptied himself, humbling himself to the will of the Father. And you know what 1 Peter 5, 6 says? Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at proper time. Do you see the promise that happened here when Jesus humbled himself? When Jesus humbled himself, he became a 
obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him. See, when you make Jesus Christ of your Lord, when you humble yourself to the way that God does things, the way that God thinks, the, 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 the reactions of being a servant and, and putting other people's needs before yourself, God promises, just like he did with Jesus, that he's going to exalt you. He's going to lift you up. Proverbs 13.10, By pride comes nothing but strife. By pride comes nothing but strife. Do you know every situation that you face in your life, every single argument that you've ever been in, every single fight, every single problem, every single issue that you had with another human being is because of your own self-centered pride. The only way strife and fighting comes is because of pride. Self-centeredness. Whenever you get mad, you should ask yourself something. Am I mad because of the way that someone else is being treated, or am I mad because of the way that I'm being treated? See, if you love Jesus, you wouldn't even notice when people mistreat you. If you love Jesus, you wouldn't even notice when you're being mistreated because you're too busy doing your father's business. It's not about you. It's about him. I mean, this happens all the time. Christians... Christians are the worst at it. They come, you come to church and no one shook my hand this morning. No one said hello. Pastor didn't even look at me this morning. That's all self-centered pride. If you were loving Jesus, you know what you'd be doing? You'd be walking in here and say, saying to yourself, making sure that you were making sure that other people were being felt welcome, that you were shaking other people's hands, that you were hugging and and appreciating and praying for other people. No one ever calls me. Well, you know what? That phone works two ways. Why don't you call somebody? No one ever does anything for me. Do something for somebody else. Believe the Bible. The Bible says, blessed is he that gives. It's more blessed to give than to what? Receive. See, we're not Christ-centered. We're self-centered. Even in church, babies are 100% self-centered. Think about it. They are. A newborn baby is 100% self-centered. A mother can go through eight hours, 12 hours of labor, exerting all the strength that she has. And when the baby is born, and the mother is exhausted, and she's just about to fall asleep, that baby starts crying and wants to eat. The baby doesn't care one thing about the mother. Doesn't care how exhausted she is. Doesn't care that she hasn't slept in the last 18 hours, 24 hours. She want, they want their needs met. And that's okay. That's okay when it's a newborn baby. And as they grow, that's what parenting is all about, is getting them to realize it's not about you. It's about the family. And then it's not about the family. It's about the community and, your, and, and, the, and the family at church. And it's just not about, it's not about you. But when you're 20, 40, 60, 80 years old and you're still self-centered little baby, you got an issue, you got a problem. 
If, you're, if, if you've been a Christian for 30 years and you're still upset because no one shook your hand or said hello when you came into church, you've got a problem. Because here's a newsflash. You're not that important. We're not that important. You only become important when you lay down your life for the betterment of others. That's when you become important. Think about it. Funerals, when they're, when they're talking about someone's life, it's never about man. He was just a wonderful person. They were so self-centered. He, he, he had every toy he could have ever wanted, and, and uh, he didn't do a thing for anybody else. Or No, it's all about what that person did in my life. This is what, how this person affected me. This is what he did for me. When, 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 when all hope was gone and, and I had nowhere to turn, they were there for me. A person that lays down their life for others, that's where they become important. But when you're self-centered, you're not important at all. It's only when you choose to lay down your life for others that you become important. Just like Jesus, he laid down his life for us and he became important. We must get to the place in our lives where we are living for something greater than self. True happiness only comes from putting others first. See, this isn't the mold that the world is trying to conform us into. See, the world is all about self. Even, even the military, an army of one. No, there's no army of one. If it's an army of one, you go over there by yourself. If you're not looking out for your brother or your sister that's standing on each side of you, you're not going to make it. And if they're not looking out for you, you're not going to make it. It's not an army of one. See, we, we, we're so worried about the individual. You know, we, we can't keep score at a... At a Sporting event, because we can't have winners and losers. We can't hurt, let the one person feel like they lost. Even the, so everybody gets a trophy, even the one that hasn't crossed the finish line yet, they get a trophy. We can't grade papers with a red pen because an individual might feel like they weren't good enough. Here's a newsflash. Sometimes you're not good enough. You're not good enough. And if you don't know you're not good enough, how do you work to excel? The world is not, does not work this way. I mean, some schools don't even give out grades anymore. Or they've changed it. Corbin's age group, it's not A, B, C, D, and E. I think they got rid of E's altogether. It's all these weird pluses and symbols. And, and a parent can't even get after their kid because you don't know what they really got. Well, you got a triangle today. I don't know what that triangle stands for. I mean, I used to get big old red check marks and then a smiley face with a frown on it. <laughs> on my papers, I knew that I screwed, didn't do a good job. But we are. We're so worried about the individual. Hmm. Someone works for something, and they achieve something, and we're taught that we deserve that too, even though we're not willing to do what they did to achieve it. 
Because we're totally self-centered. A kid throws a fit. A kid throws a fit. I was actually shocked this happened to me. This was years ago. One of the kids were with me. We were in IVY out here, and we were getting a video. And the marketing, they do this on purpose. All the candy is right there at kid's eye level. And I didn't know I was doing anything special. We're getting a video, and through the whole process, they're asking for the candy that's up front. And I said, no, and no, no. And then finally we're getting ready. Dad, come on, come on. And I said, listen, I said, no, and if you, if you don't be quiet while we're checking out here, I'm going to put the movie back. And the lady looked at me, and she says, I am so proud of you. You're the fir-. She didn't say the first. She says, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe how many parents give in. And I thought, that's amazing that that would be something that would stand out to a cash register, cash, cashier. See, what happens is, is a kid throws a fit. I don't want to get anybody mad at me, but I, I've been a parent. I know how this works. A kid throws a fit. And where does he throw a fit? Does he throw it privately and where no one can see? No, he throws it in the middle of the store. He, he is on the floor rolling around, kicking, knocking things off the thing. He's throwing a fit. Why is he throwing a fit? Because he's self-centered. He doesn't care about anything about, except himself. And you know what usually happens? The parents usually give in and give it to the kid. Now, why do the parents usually give in and give it to the kid? Because the parents are self-centered. They're so worried about what other people are thinking of them. You don't want to know what I'd do. It's not politically correct. The kid would go out to the car and get a whooping. Self-centeredness is, is the cancer of humanity. And it was from the very beginning. That's the original sin. The original sin is being self-centered rather than God-centered. Being self-centered rather than humanity-centered. Right? That's the greatest law, Right? To love that Lord, that God, with all their heart, strength, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And everything, our nature, the fallen nature, which you don't have anymore, is totally contrary to that. But the good news is that you have the new nature of Christ in you. You, you actually have it in you to love God and love your fellow man. When we couldn't do it under the law because of we didn't have love in us in the first place, now we have received love, and that love dwells within you. We, don't, we, we can choose not to be self-centered anymore. We must choose to make Jesus Lord. In all circumstances of life, we must choose to make Jesus Lord. Listen to me. I don't, I don't care if you're a Democrat or if you're a Republican. I don't care what you are, but make Jesus Lord over that party. Seriously, take Jesus, take the principles of Jesus into those parties and transform them into the image and the likeness of God. 
into the kingdom of God. See, the problem is, is because Jesus isn't our Lord, we put up with things in those parties that are evil. They're, e- they're literally evil. Instead of shining the light into the darkness. You, you, can, you can be a Democrat and still say, I don't agree with this, this, and this. You can be a Republican and say, this is wrong. This is not right. This... It's not about parties. It's about the kingdom. And most people don't even know why they're, they're a political party that they are. It's because grandma and grandpa, mom and dad just went down the line with that. And, and what you need to do, and I'm telling you, what you need to do, you're thinking, well, Chad's taking, taking, bringing government into the pulpit. No, I'm bringing the pulpit into government. You need to read the party platform. I'm telling you, both candidates are cuckoo. You have to read the party platform, what they say that they wanted to accomplish, what they want to do. And you have, you're going to have to weigh it. You're going to have to weigh to see which one is more like the kingdom of God. Because I'm, this, 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 I'm not voting for an individual. I'm voting for the judicial court, and I'm voting for party platforms. That's the only thing you can do. And the only thing you can do is hope that they follow through with what they said they were going to do. Because the Republicans said that they were going to get rid of abortion for years and years and years and years, and they never took one step to get rid of it. And I'm telling you, I could care less what our economy does while there's a genocide of, of over a million babies being killed a year. Today, 3,000 children are killed today. I could, I could care less about any other thing. except I'm sorry, I'm a one-issue voter. But up to this point, those that said that they were against it have not done one thing. They've lied to us this whole time. And it's time we as Christians start rising up and stop being politically correct, stop giving in and shining our light and making Jesus Lord over our political parties and over our conversations and putting other people before us and, and loving one another and lift, uplifting one another and not falling in, into this media garbage that they're, they're throwing out there. Amen. <laughs> and you have to vote. I'm sorry. You cannot vote. Cannot sit it out. You have to vote. You have to choose. You have to declare which way our country will go. We need you to vote. But be ed- don't just, people say, well, I'm just going to pray about it and then I'm going to vote. No. Educate yourself. Listen, it's so simple. Get online. Download the, part, the platform and read through it. Be informed. Know what you're doing. Know what you're voting for. Because I'm so tired of people that, that vote and they don't have no idea what they're voting for and then they complain about the very th- people that they elected to do what they said that they were going to do. And they're doing what they said they were going to do. 
But you have to go in there with the philosophy that Jesus is Lord. See, it's so, I don't care. There's people that think that the economy is going to get better because the a Democrat takes over. There's people that think that the economy is going to get better if a Republican gets over. I'm telling you, if you are making decisions based on money, if any country makes decisions based on money and not morality and righteousness, it will be the downfall of that country. I find that in my life there's lots of areas where I find that I'm still self-centered. And as I went through, as I went through the study today, God just, you know, that gentle, kind little spirit showing me areas that I need to be less self-centered. And most of it's in family life, home life, stuff like that. But I think we all have a tendency to be self-centered. And we have to put an end to self-centeredness. We need, we need to make Jesus Lord over our life. And as we went through this, I'm sure that there are ish, there's things in your life that just came up and you think, you know what, Jesus is Lord over my life in this area. I'm still in control of this, this area of my life. This is my, I've given all this to God, but I just want to keep this back for myself. And it's today is the day that we need to make a decision to make Jesus Lord of our life. And that we decide that we trust that we're going to have a philosophy of life, as we talked about, a philosophy of life that we believe that, that God wants the best for you. That God is not holding goodness back from you. That he wants you to succeed and he wants you to prosper. So this morning, we're just going to, we don't do this very often, but I just felt like today we need to do it. Want to know why? Because we're all self-centered and we don't want to do it. If you, if you want to get rid of, if you want to make a declaration to God today that you want to get rid of self-centered in your life, that you want to make Jesus Lord over every life, stand up. And if you don't stand up, this prayer won't work for you. And I'm standing right along with you. And this is just a simple prayer, but, but in your heart, I want you to internalize this and think of those areas of your life where you, because of fear, you're not allowing Jesus into those, situa- those areas of your life. You're not allowing him to be Lord of your life. There's some of you here that, that God has called you <laughs> to change jobs, to do, start a business, to do things in your life, and you have not let him be Lord of your life because of fear. You're not doing what God has called you to do because you're afraid. And you're more secure in what you're currently doing than what God has called you to do. There's areas that in your life that, that you're just letting happen in your family, with your children, because you're afraid. You're, you're too worried about being a friend with your child than being a parent to your child. As far as I'm concerned, if your kids never told you I hate you, you have never parented them. They have never said that. Well, I don't know, maybe. There are areas of our life that Jesus needs to be made Lord of. So let's pray this together. Jesus, I want to live for something more. I change my thinking. 
I am not the most important thing. I am not the center of the universe. I am not God. You are God. And I make you Lord of my life. I humble myself to your ways, to your word, and the leading of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You believe it? Amen. Let's just spend some time right now. Just Let's just meditate on those areas, those areas of our life that uh, we just turned over to Jesus. See him opening up that door that you have locked. See him, see him, see him picking up that garbage that, that you've been hiding. See, see him removing that burden that you've been carrying. Seeing him bring in freshness of life and joy. See him lifting and strengthening you in those areas. See him proclaiming the promises to you in those areas. Giving you hope, showing you victory, giving you boldness. Father, we're just so grateful. We're so grateful that you are a good God. And that you want the best for us. And right now we repent. We change the way that we think about these areas in our life. And we, and, and we walk in your goodness. In the glory of God in these areas. And we realize that you're going to cause all things to work together for good, who love you and are called to your purpose. We make you Lord of our life. And we bow before that throne. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen, church. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.